Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Christmas time isn't always a happy time of year for folks, especially those who are grieving, whether it's a first Christmas without somebody or it's been several years. It can be a difficult time. Compound that with 2020 and the COVID-19 pandemic, many people are dealing with emotions that they've never felt before and grief like never before. Today on Connections, we're joined by Bob Smikolis. He is a registered psychotherapist. He's also a nationally certified counselor and a licensed minister. Today on Connections, Bob will share with us ways that we can deal with this grief that we're feeling as we roll into an unusual Christmas. And he'll also give us some ideas of how we can help others in our lives that may be dealing with grief. We're joined today by Bob Smikolis. He's a registered psychotherapist as well as a nationally certified counselor and a licensed minister. We're dealing with a very unusual year um, when it comes to COVID-19, the pandemic. Not only is it affecting people's physical health, it's definitely impacting people um, and their mental health. Tell us a little bit about what you've been dealing with and what you've been seeing um, this year. I think uh, just overall people's stress levels uh, have just increased on all areas of life. Just uh, as everybody knows, living with the disruptions in terms of um, impact on businesses and schools and day-to-day life and ability to work results in financial stresses. It results in emotional stresses, results in uh, issues with children and childcare and marriage stresses. And uh, we've seen a spike in people trying to um, deal with that and cope with that in terms of an increase in, in drug and alcohol use. And uh, it's just been a, a trying time for the entire community above and beyond any, you know, potential risk factors on, you know, getting a, a virus. These are all things above and beyond those uh, potential physical uh, health issues. You've obviously seen an uptick in the amount of people that you're seeing as well. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's been probably busier in the last six months than most any time in the last 20 years in terms of my practice. Speaking with all these people and hearing all of this, I know you're trained to deal with um, listening to all of these issues that these people have, but how are you being affected by this? Um, I, I think it's the, uh, the reminder day to day of just how uh, deeply some of the um, measures are impacting everyone in the community. I mean, very frankly, uh, the, the people that I work with, I'm going to say the vast majority of my clients are not uh, feeling vulnerable to you know being infected with COVID. What they're struggling with is dealing with the day-to-day impact of the measures on their businesses, on their households, on their ability to provide an education for their kids, on their ability to care for elderly loved ones who oftentimes they're prevented from seeing, their ability to follow up with their own medical care and treatment because uh, certain uh, you know, test procedures and screening procedures for things like cancer, et cetera, are delayed. So all of those things actually result in massive amounts of day-to-day stress that's not directly about somebody being concerned that they're actually you know, going to be infected. So it's, you know, this is an area I think that's being overlooked in terms of community planning. Uh, it, it just seems that these um, impacts of measures are not being factored into weighing out uh, the pros and cons of certain measures. So uh, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty huge thing. How, as we go into this season of Christmas in a very unusual way, do we deal 
uh, with this grief that we're feeling. For sure. And I think, you know, grief is, uh, is a complicated experience and it affects us emotionally through sadness, anxiety, sometimes anger, despair, guilt, a whole wide range of things that affects us physically, affects people's sleep, their appetites, their immune system, digestive issues, um, spiritually feeling maybe disconnected from, from God, relationally disconnected from others. So uh, there, there's lots of uh, massive impact on the whole grief experience. And uh, I think the challenge is, you know, how do we work through that? And, and uh, in the holidays, I think it's particularly challenging, uh, you know, for those who have actually like lost a loved one, the holidays are particularly um, uh, just challenging in that holidays are filled with contradictions. So on the one side, there's supposed to be a time where we're happy and excited, but on the other side, it's a reminder that, you know, the, the person that we love is not with us. And so it becomes a, a trigger for all of these uh, grief, you know, experiences and grief emotions. How do we use our faith to help us to deal with this grief? That's a, that's a great question. One of the, the challenges when people are grieving is we often don't feel like God is close because we're numb. Um, and yet he is. And so I, I think, you know, uh, uh, you know, reminding ourselves of other times, you know, if we happen to be a believer of other times where the Lord brought us through things, I think is a powerful thing, because when we start to reflect, often what we see is that, you know, God brought us through other seasons and other times. And, you know, he promises us, I mean, the Psalms tells us that uh, that God sees the trouble of the afflicted, and, and he considers their grief, and he takes it in their hand that, that we have a promise, you know, directly from the Lord, many of them, that says that he's with us in those hard times, whether we feel it or not, you know, it is the truth. So trying to just, you know, stay focused on the truth of his word and, and maybe uh, trying to connect with other people who can also be encouraging is a pretty, pretty big deal. Now, typically around Christmas time, we have our church services and we have um, our blue Christmas where we can grieve and we can think about these people that we've lost. Obviously this year, that's going to be very different and it's going to be virtual. How do we process that? Well, I mean, I, I, I think one of the key things of, of processing um, is really um, acknowledging, you know, processing is about being able to articulate, being able to express what we're experiencing. I kind of think of it a little bit like a, a puzzle. You know, I remember when I used to buy my kids puzzles and uh, it comes in a box and there's lots of pieces. And, and if there's not a picture on the box, you really have no idea of what the puzzle looks like until you break it open and then you lay all the pieces out on a table and you start to try to make the connections, maybe starting with the edge pieces and then filling it in. And the more connections you make, the more the picture becomes clear. And when we talk about processing, processing emotions, processing experiences, really what we're doing is we're, we're sort of opening up our heart and we're taking those individual pieces, the emotions, the thoughts, and we're laying them out in a way where we can begin to make connections between them. And it starts to form a picture. And often it begins to give us some understanding and some context that helps us to navigate through the situation. So I would say uh, just whether, you know, whether we're meeting in person, whether it's through a virtual church service, whether it's online through a forum, social media, a telephone call, we're able to still connect with people. And by expressing and just articulating our experiences and, and, and what's happening with us and what we're thinking about, we're processing, we're making connections that that's going to help us uh, really understand 
kind of our, our own context. Really, in order to grieve, we have to talk about that grief. We have to um, just put lay it out on the table instead of keeping it to ourselves. Absolutely. It's, it's really, it's expressing what's inside of us. And sometimes what we're expressing is, is really, uh, is very raw and it's very intense, you know, expressing anger, expressing um, just being overwhelmed or despair. I mean, those, those emotions and the way in, in which that comes out oftentimes is, is not particularly pretty, is, isn't uh, something that we're accustomed to doing, yet it's also something that's essential to, to being healthy because bottling up those kinds of intense experiences, uh, we were not meant to hold these things inside. We're actually meant to express them. It's interesting, even, even in our tears, the way God wired us, that through intense emotions, often tears accompany that. And there's actually chemicals released through our tear ducts that uh, reduce stress. So even in the way that God has wired us physically and physiologically, uh, you know, he's embedded in that uh, a process process to help us manage and cope with the intense experiences of life. See, I have a friend that just lost his mom uh, a week ago and he said, turns out I don't know how to grief. And I said, well, actually, I think one of the things I've learned about grief is no matter what you're feeling is the right thing to be feeling at the time. As long as you're not hurting yourself or somebody else, then it's the right way to grieve. And then I was like, I hope that's right. Is that right? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think you're, you're onto something that um, the grief experience is so complicated and it's so um, outside of what our normal life experience is that it feels completely unnatural. And, and like you're saying, the chances are what the person's experiencing is pretty normal. You know, if it's like yeah. feeling overwhelmed or, or, you know, again, anger, guilt, despair, anxiety, sadness, hopelessness, uh, sometimes just being numb, confusion. Uh, I mean, there's so many a- elements to this, especially, you know, in that early, you know, the first few days, the few first hours, days and weeks. Uh, um, it's just I call it like an emotional roller coaster. You just don't know which way you're facing emotionally. And that's pretty normal. I mean, that that's to be expected. Now, if if we don't know that that's normal, we think we're losing our mind. And so sometimes what happens is, and this is what Colleen and I were talking about earlier about just processing, just being able to articulate the experience, what we discover is we make the connections that, hey, this is an actual normal part of the human experience that is unlike any other part. So it feels abnormal. And one of the main ways that we get, get through it in a healthy way is, is finding appropriate ways to express the experience and to connect with others in order to navigate through this. So. So I think you were you were pretty much on the ball with that one. It, again, it doesn't feel normal to say, hey, whatever you're feeling is normal. Uh, it probably is, you know, but like you said, you know, assuming that, that we're not like, you know, endangering ourselves or others, that, that's a pretty good benchmark there. Oh, as uh, friends of people that are grieving this Christmas, maybe, what are some things we should be mindful of as we approach the holiday and we have friends that are grieving and maybe alone this year? Yeah, I, I mean, I think... Um, one of the challenges for supporting people who are grieving is that often we don't know what to do. We, we feel awkward in trying to uh, approach them because it's like, well, the person's hurting. And so if I, if I talk to them about their loved one, is that going to like make them feel sad? I don't want to make them feel sad. So sometimes there's a, a hesitancy to uh, engage a person who's grieving, but I would just encourage folks out who are listening. If you have a, a friend or a family member or someone, you know, 
who's lost a loved one and is grieving, reach out to them, ask them, you know, what's this like for you? Is there anything that I can do? Uh, I, I think one of the things that's really encouraging for, for someone who's lost a loved one is when a friend or family member actually shares a memory of their loved one. You know, going to them saying, hey, you know, I was thinking about your husband and I, I was reminded of this time when, you know, he did this and that and what an impact it made on my life and how much I appreciated him. And so sharing those memories, those thoughts, those just stories um, about the person who's died is a tremendous strength for the vast majority of people who are grieving. They welcome it and, and are relieved that somebody else is actually uh, thinking about their loved one. Oftentimes, uh, grieving people, um, they don't want to be a burden. And, you know, they, they're, they're overwhelmed with, with their experience. And they're just like, uh, you know, I, I don't want to dump this on somebody. And so oftentimes, they're, they're hesitant and resistant to, to ask for help or don't even know what help even looks like. And so when we offer to show up or, or to help out or to reach out or to make a call, you know, that's like a really, really big deal. I mean, I, I, I think of, uh, you know, one example of, of someone that I know who is grieving and they had a, a family member, a sister who just came over kind of almost unannounced and just said, I'm here to clean your house. And without saying a word, she just went, got the cleaning supplies. And for the next two or three hours, just started cleaning the house, scrubbing floors, doing, you know, toilets. And it it was one of the most, um, you know, uh, impactful things for the grieving person. They were just like, I was so relieved because I've been overwhelmed. I haven't been able to be productive. The stuff piling up around the house is just, uh, you know, causing stress. And just to have that seemingly mundane thing taken off of their uh, responsibility list uh, was just a blessing to them. As a church community, how do we surround people that are grieving this Christmas season, um, seeing as though we can't really actually be together? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think that's one of the, uh, I guess, the tragedies of, of the current situation is the level of isolation that seems to be um, implicit in some of the measures that are taken. And I know we could probably debate, you know, the efficacy of those measures. But in any event, uh, the reality is that people are isolated and, and trying to break the isolation is, you know, a, a, a challenge. So I think using, you know, the, the tools that we have available, you know, if you're in a community and, you know, if you're allowed to drive by a person's house, you know, go do that. I mean, I know that at one point in our community, I'm in uh, southwestern Ontario, uh, there were restrictions on being able to meet at people's homes and and people in our community started doing drive-by birthday parties where they just would caravan in their car and they'd drive by the person's house and people would honk and wave and just to to express, you know, support and express that they were thinking about the person. And I think that, you know, being creative and reaching out, you know, whether it's a phone call, uh, social media, a card, a letter, um, you know, a- a- any point of contact is a good thing when you're trying to connect with someone who's hurting. And, and you know what, the Lord works through all kinds of these measures, a card, um, a, a note, you know, a gift basket. I mean, you know, you pick it and it's amazing how, uh, you know, whatever you do, God will take that so many times and impact a person's heart. I'm wondering about, uh, especially this year, uh, with funerals being limited in so many places now in a, a lot of places across the prairies are down to five or 10 people only at a funeral. How's that impacted uh, the grieving process for people, do you think? 
Oh, it's absolutely devastated families. Absolutely devastated families. See, funerals are not for dead people. Right. Funerals are for the living. It's for those of us who are left behind to rally together and to uh, connect with each other in order to heal, in order to grieve, in order to remember the frailty of life, in order to support each other, in order to memorialize our loved ones. Funerals are for the living. And when people are, are really robbed of an opportunity to properly uh, you know, bury their loved ones, it complicates the grieving factor. It's like breaking a bone you know, in your arm and not being able to set the bone and expect it to just keep going on through life. It's not going to heal properly. And that's, that's sadly what, mm -hmm. um, what's happening with some of the, the measures that are being implemented in communities are being implemented without, you know, giving thought to the implications on people's overall health. It's not only, you know, uh, uh, a certain kind of physical, you know, infection or disease process, there's also the, the emotional, the social, the spiritual impact on people's overall health and well-being, which has a massive impact on their physical health as well. And so, I mean, one of the things about, you know, the grieving process, when people are under massive amounts of stress and grief, it actually suppresses your immune system. So our mental, emotional, and social health is essential to our physical health. And, you know, where, you know, where are the metrics measuring the impact of that? It would really, I think, do us well to begin to incorporate some of those uh, quantifiable measures into uh, some of the planning process on how to address the, the concerns around COVID. What are some ways that we can fill in that gap, fill in that missing step so that we're able to move on in life? For sure. It, it, it's an excellent question. I, and I, I think... Um, some of some of these things, there aren't ways around it because to grieve, you, you have to go through the process. And if you're prevented on going through the process, it, it's going to delay the grief. And so there is delay. I mean, people, we can grieve in a different time frame. So I think that what some families are doing is um, complying with whatever restrictions are in their community at the time of a funeral. But then later, they're planning on having some kind of a memorial service or sort of a follow up. Uh, opportunity to get together when they're able to do that in their local context. And so, um, so yeah, so I think, you know, having the funeral or a memorial service, whether it's immediately following months later, it's still a good thing. So, uh, you know, I would encourage families to plan in the future to do, um, you know, a memorial service. Maybe they, they don't have a date, but they can certainly put together the pieces. You can involve family members to, uh, you know, be involved in the planning, which is, is helping to process what's going on. Even though the actual event maybe can't happen right now as we had hoped, it's certainly something that will happen and will benefit the family even if it's delayed. For those looking for help or for more information or resources or would like to get in contact with you, how do they go about doing that? Uh, well, one, one resource that I uh, often direct folks to um, is uh, an organization called griefshare.org. So just how it's spelled, how it sounds, grief, and then share, and it's .org. It's, uh, it's an organization that really uh, specializes on providing day-to-day uh, -day resources for people to, to walk through the, the grieving process. 
There's um, uh, forums that you can participate in and communicate with. Um, so it's just a wonderful resource that way. And again, that whole idea of connecting with others in the in the, in a grief process is really important. Certainly for folks who are in in my area, southwestern Ontario, they're certainly welcome to to call my office. It's Family Life Counseling. Uh, .ca is the website, all one word, familylifecounseling.ca. And uh, whether uh, I can accommodate them or I have colleagues to refer them to who can certainly help them, all of those things are, are, are good resources that I would encourage people to reach out to. Thank you so much for your time this morning. We really yeah, appreciate thank it. You. Well, listen, uh, bless you folks. And uh, just encourage everyone to to remember that uh, the the whole reason for the season is Jesus is here to give us hope and to give us life. And uh, whatever our circumstances are, it's good to celebrate that, to reflect on that, to remember that and to embrace that. So bless you all. Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, subscribe to the Connections podcast with Colleen Hood and Mike Tom. You can find us at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcasts. We'll talk to you again on Connections.